right, welcome to the Appalachian Runner Podcast. We have a special guest today. His name is Ryan Ransby, and he's a he's been a good friend of mine for a while now. He's uh, run a ton of races, and he's a he's been an ultra runner. What since twenty seventeen? You think? Yeah, I think I ran my first ultra in twenty seventeen. Um, rough Trail fifty k over in Kentucky. That was it. Heck yeah, heck yeah. That's a that's one to start with. That's a that's a tough one to to get your toe in the water, but no, it seems no, like you've it seems like you got bit by the bug in that race, and then you know it seemed like I was just looking at your ultra sign up. You know you've run twenty two races, and you've gone all across the America. Like you've seen uh, Bandera, you've seen Black Canyon, uh, been to Lake Sonoma, you've run uh, Old Cascadia down up in Oregon. I mean, you've been a little bit everywhere, and you've seen some of the best of what this country has to offer. So let's just talk about that. Um, you know, what's been your, like one of your favorite races that you've run so far? Oh, that's a tough one, man. They're all wonderful in their own special way, which, you know, you're familiar with no, no two races really are alike, uh, a little bit different than the the marathon or something like that. But, um, you know, obviously, Old Cascadia, just being up in the Pacific Northwest, running some of the best single track probably in the world, man, is just super good. And just that day was pretty brutal. You know, we had some weather roll in and things just took a deep dive south. And it was uh, it was one of those big, deep moments, um, you know, man. But then like the Rim to River 100, I mean, that's special in its own way, just you know, pretty much being in our backyard and just being such a special race with this special community. And then, you know, the Black Canyons, the Banderas, the JFKs, you know, those are, those are fun because of the hype. Like those, they get the attention they deserve, to be honest. I mean, they're, they're worth all the hype that they get. They're, they're truly fantastic races. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And that kind of leads into my next question. You know, you probably have multiple uh, answers to this, but what is your why? Why did you start with ultra running and why do you keep doing it? Why do you love running trails? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, my why, uh, I guess maybe kind of deep dive on this right off the bat, but, um, you know, I lost my dad at the age of 52 uh, to a heart attack uh, back in 2017. And um, honestly, from that day on, I just made a promise to myself that, you know, I was going to be the best version of myself. I was going to be the healthiest version of myself um, for not only me, but ultimately my my boy that I had at the time. I only had one son at the time. Um, you know, I've got three now. And so that, that drive is that much bigger. Um, but I, I just wanted to do everything in my power to not put them in the same position, you know, that I was kind of uh, put in. And it, it's nobody's fault. Death is nobody's fault. You can't control it. Um, but I think there are certain things we can't control that, you know, don't lead to, a you know, an early death, I guess we could say not to get too uh, gruesome here. But um, that that was really it. Uh, you know, I ran through high school. I didn't run in college. Uh, but when my dad did die, um, I found out that the American Diabetes Association was a, a foundation that you could raise money for. Uh, through the Chicago Marathon. Um, so, you know, immediately it was like, man, I'm going to do this. I'm going to run this marathon. I'm going to raise some money for this cause. And uh, that was really the springboard into everything that's come since then. Um, 
started with the marathon and then it just got way out of hand but i wouldn't i wouldn't trade it for anything yeah that's that's wild man uh i remember actually hearing that story in your interview with uh, the ridge runners i believe and it's just it's crazy how you know big events like that lead us to you know try something different and usually you kind of need to push out the door to start with something like ultra running or you know marathon running at the time and i mean it's, there, there's nothing that's ever going to make it better obviously but like i think there's been a lot of good come from you starting your ultra running career you know we'll talk about it later but you've uh started a company called rum and run which now helps give opportunities to people in appalachia to start ultra running you know you give uh you you have two races that you direct uh ridge to river uh four and ten mile and then the uh the run wild 20 miler. And that's a great opportunity for people to get started into the sport. Uh, it's, it's scary to just hop into a 50 K hundred mile, you know, whatever, but starting with the trails, people fall off the trails and then they progress and test the waters, test their endurance and things just get out of hand real quick. But I just think that's awesome. You, you turn like a really low point in your life into something. Hopefully it's going to help both you and your family for for some time to come yeah no doubt caleb man it's uh it's changed my life for the better a hundred percent i mean it's it as you know you know it it goes from a hobby to a lifestyle and it's in my opinion the best lifestyle that anybody could ever you know live so it's it's powerful definitely now something that i've always talked to like even my like my dad and other people in the sport your running becomes an identity and obviously that can get, you can get carried away with that and let it run your identity. But it's definitely something that I would say almost every runner chooses to portray to everybody else. You know, when people ask you, what, what do you do? I run. And if you want to be, you can try to wow them and say like, yeah, I run hundred mile races. And usually that gets a, a certain response. <laughs> um, usually I just say I run and then let them ask questions. But, uh, you know, I just think that's a huge part of our life uh, once we start getting into the sport. And it, I mean, there's a lot of positives and there's a few negatives as well. I mean, I don't think running hundred mile races is ever good for the body, but uh, you know, yeah, it's definitely something that it gives us an opportunity to challenge ourselves. And I think that's great. Yeah. You're spot on, man. It might not be good for the body, but it's, it's good for the heart and the soul. Definitely. Well, and just the, the family aspect of it, like, you know, you're doing something that like my dad did to me. You're, you're teaching your sons the positives of running. And you know, my dad started running whenever I was growing up in like elementary school. He started just to lose weight because he got a little heavy. He was over 200 pounds, which you may not be able to see Big Charlie as a Big Charlie, but uh, he was. He was he's a, he's a little roly poly there. Um, and uh, you know, but he he was able to lose weight. He just got hooked on it. And that's something that I wanted to be like whenever I was growing up. So signed up for my first 5K, signed up for cross country, and then, you know, it snowballed to where we are now. But uh, yeah. enough about me. You know, what, you know, you've been to the sport for a few years now. You know, what racing moment do you cherish the most? And that's kind of similar to that first question, like which race is the, you know, the coolest that you've run? But like, like you said, like finishing your first hundred mile race at Rim to River under 24 hours, huge. Um, 
you know, you've run some really cool 100K races and other races as well. What's been like one of the most impactful moments? Ooh, man, Caleb, that's a tough question, man. I, this might not, I think for me, honestly, every starting line of a race is the moment I really cherish. You know, when you're standing on that starting line of any ultra, man, it's such a reward, like getting there and being healthy and fit and just, you know, knowing you're about to go on this journey, uh, you're going to experience some of the, the greatest highs and the lowest of lows. And, you know, I love that feeling. I love that tense energy that, that comes at a start line. You know, you're there with a bunch of people whose lives are about to change one way or the other. And, you know, to me, I think that's super, super special. And that's something I'll never take for granted. So as great as the finishes are, uh, man, there's nothing like staying on that start line getting ready to go into the unknown. So I that, that would be the moment I cherish. That's like the coolest answer I've ever gotten. Um, never even thought of that, but you're right. Because at the starting line, everybody is optimistic. They're excited. They're nervous, obviously. But, uh, you know, there's a whole journey awaiting. And, like, once a gun goes off, then things start to happen. But, like, beforehand, you know, as long as you get your, your uh, morning bathroom you know, issues rolling. Like as long as you get that done, like that can cause a lot of anxiety. But once that's done, then it's just a whole bunch of excitement, which I think is yeah, very true. So that's yeah. that's a great answer, man. That's that's awesome. So kind of going on the opposite end of that, what's the biggest issue that you've had to overcome? Or one like you may have had several issues, but what what's one of the major ones that you've overcome? Man, for me, you know, specific to the the ultra distance and just ultra running in general, it's, you know, everybody has their, their Achilles heel. And for me, it's my stomach and GI issues and nutrition issues. And, you know, for me, it's always come around that six hour mark, um, almost like clockwork. So, you know, it's just something chemically happening in the body that um, always de derails you know, the, the plan. So, you know, I usually begin vomiting and then it just becomes a, a survival game at that point. And, you know, some days I'm better at managing it than others. And um, some days you just have to, you know, unfortunately pull the plug and, and, and that's it, you know, and that's, that's happened to me a couple of times, you know, at the Leadville 100, um, a couple other races as well. And it, it's a hard pill to swallow, but that's, that's really what makes, uh, this whole thing worth it is that you're not guaranteed success. You're not guaranteed a win for sure. You're not guaranteed a finish. You're not guaranteed anything. All you can do is uh, do the best you can on that day and uh, deal with the challenges as they come. Definitely. I think nutrition's probably everybody's Achilles heel because it's so hard to simulate until you get to a race. Cause like you said, you, you hit it at the six hour mark usually. Well, when are you going on a six or over a six hour run, like only in a race? So it's hard to like try different things and, you know, tweak things until you get to a race. So like the only time you have the opportunity to do that is in a race. So uh, tell me like what actually happens and what have you tried? Because, I mean, this has been an ongoing thing for a while now. And is it usually heat and humidity that makes it worse or is it like what, what's going on there? Yep. So I'm definitely not a heat guy. I don't perform well in heat. Uh, that definitely uh, magnifies the issue. But 
I'll kind of give you a little background here. After Leadville last year, um, I met with uh, one of our mutual friends, uh, Matt Young, uh, who was facing some similar issues specific to Leadville. And um, he had told me about this consultation that he did with um, a nutritionist, Dr. John Clinthorne, uh, who's part of the Boundless um, coaching team based out of Leadville. And, you know, they offer coaching services. And then uh, Dr. Clinthorne, focused on uh, human sports nutrition. And, um, you know, I was a bit skeptical at first just talking with Matt, but, you know, in 2022, Matt had a successful lead bill. And did. I was like, okay, man, so this this must work. And we had lunch after Leadville, and it was a man, just do it. He's like, it, it's not cheap, but it's a whole lot less than, you know, flying out to Colorado for two weeks and having a bad day. And I was like, you're right, man. We're spending all this money. We might as well make it worth it. Um, so I, I did it. I, I set up the the call with John and um, we went through this consultation and I can't say that it was anything like groundbreaking. You know, I'd studied this stuff for so long. I'd read every article uh, just trying to self-diagnose. Uh, but what it did do is it put all of those things into a practical application and put it into a personalized strategy, which was really the biggest thing. So I did some testing uh, and found some deficiencies for sure. Um, you know, we did a nitric oxide level test. We did a sweat rate test and uh, just found that I was really off in a couple things. And then, you know, based off of those findings or those uh, results, you know, John really felt that almost all of my issues were stemming from dehydration, uh, which obviously gets, again, magnified at everything over 10,000 feet and just altitude in general and uh, low humidity, and you're not realizing you're sweating as much as you are. So it was just a bunch of these things culminating and being magnified together. Um, so he put together a plan for me, and um, basically it was just around um, proper hydration intake and uh, electrolyte intake. And then not focusing so much on calories, but on carb intake, and then reducing fat intake during the race. So um, after Leadville, I also had a DNF at No Business 100, and uh, I had the consultation after No Business. And so it's between No Business and between JFK. And I took everything John wrote out for me, he wrote this very elaborate plan, and I just I promised myself on that day that I was going to, you know, follow it to a T, no matter what. I knew what the downsides were of not following it, but I didn't know what the upsides were going to be of following it. Um, so I don't know how deep we want to get into this, but um, the days leading up to the race, um, you know, I was boosting my nitrate levels through just uh, beet juice, basically, a product mm -hmm. called Beet Elite. You know, it's natural. It's nothing illegal or anything like that. And that just helps get your blood oxygen levels back up to normal and, and does some constricting of the vessels and all that type of stuff. And that just helps drive oxygen really into the stomach, uh, which also helps process calories and carbs. And then um, around the, the hydration perspective, uh, he felt that scratch hydration was the best fit for me, just based on my sweat rate, and the uh, you know amount of sodium I was losing at that time. So um, 
for that race, I consumed 33 ounces of water with about 800 milligrams of sodium per hour. So I almost felt like I was drowning myself. Um, you know, that's a lot to be taking in when you're, you're running, you know, um, but I did it. I, I stayed true to it the whole time, all 50 miles. And it, it was, it was like night and day. Um, the gels that I moved to, I moved to spring energy, awesome sauce, all natural product, um, really carb heavy, carb rich. Um, and then Martin gels, which are just super easy on the stomach, um, go down really easily. And, um, that, those were the, that was the concoction that, that led to a, a good JFK. So, uh, really just hoping that that kind of maintains and that's what I've been practicing with and training with. And, uh, I feel really confident that, uh, it's going to work again this weekend. So. Yeah. Yeah. So we should have probably told everybody. So you're running the following, falling waters, hundred K this weekend. Yeah, I think this is going to be a really good opportunity to like test all this again. Uh, I don't know. The weather looks pretty cool compared to, uh, you know, probably the Leadville or anything like that in the summertime. But, you know, with it being a 15 mile loop course that you do four times, it's going to be perfect to just, you know, stick to the plan, you know, try to hydrate as much as possible. Because, I mean, I'm sure it's going to be probably similar to JFK. Uh, JFK was a warmer day from what I remember. It's probably started off in, in cold and then went to warm. But I do love this conversation about what you did like at JFK. Because what were you doing beforehand? Like in all the other races, did you, was it like a mosh posh of just different gels and stuff and then whatever you could get or? Yeah, that's, it's, it's funny because he asked the same question. And when I told him, he just kind of laughed at me uh, because I didn't know. It was, I was just, I don't know, maybe going off a gut feeling or how I felt. Well, obviously, when you're not feeling good, you're not going to be taking anything in. And you're not feeling good because you haven't been taking anything in. So you have to be you have to be strict with yourself. You have to be dedicated to it. And, you know, a buddy asked me the other night, he's like, man, what do you think about when you're running these races? And I was like, it sounds stupid, but there's a lot going on. There's a lot of self-processing. There's a lot of self-diagnosing. There's a lot of I need to eat. I need to drink. You know, you're thinking about a lot of things in a weird way. Like it's a very busy time when you're trying to just keep your, you know, keep the motor running for hours on end. Um, but to answer your question, Caleb, I, it was just kind of like, yeah, I think I'll take this gel and eat this quesadilla and maybe get some potatoes and that Coke looks good. And then it just, <laughs> that's not the answer, man. Yeah. Not for me. Not for me anyway. Definitely. No, I, th I think this is like one of the topics that most people are interested in. You know, I've had several requests to like talk about nutrition and I'm like, I always tell them I'm not the person to talk to because like, I'm more like your former self. I like, I've been a trial and error type person. And to be honest, when I got into a sport, I came from a cross country background, marathoning background. And it wasn't like, we don't, we don't drink or eat during runs in college cross country. You know, I mean, we probably could. We just never thought about it. So I'm used to not taking anything in. And it's been a like a struggle to like convince myself that I need to take stuff in. Part of me is like, dude, you're so tough. You don't need that. You don't need to take that stuff in. You know, just a couple of gels, you're good to go. 
and, and then you get into a race like Bandera where your stomach stops working, you start throwing up and then you don't eat for 20 miles. And then you realize you, you probably need to do a whole lot. You need to have a plan going into it. And I had a plan, but it's just, it didn't work. And sometimes you need a backup plan to that plan. But I also think that learning about your body is a huge, uh, it's just something you need to do before going into bigger races like that. And I've learned that, you know, certain gels aren't really meant for me. It was a hard way to find out, but it is what it is. But I'm with you. Actually, the Morton's gels uh, and the awesome sauces have settled really well so far. Um, I want to keep trying to practice with them, but, you know, they have high carbohydrate. Uh, I think they're like both 40 to 45, like spring might be 45 and then Martin's are 40. Um, you know, I like the science and sport, uh, isotropic or whatever. It's one that you don't really need to drink water with. And they usually have about 20, which yep. 20 grams of carbohydrates. And that's good. But it's hard to fit all those in your like vest or in your uh, in your handheld. So having something with a little bit denser grouping of carbohydrates probably is the answer. Yep. Have now, you tried the the S uh, the SIS beta fuel? So yeah, and that's the one that hasn't really been working for me. Um, so I tried the hydrogel uh, like drink first, and that was at Canal Trace. And I've made the mistake of just like, I used it in work, like a couple of different workouts, but I didn't use it in like a long run setting. So I start slamming those early and got sick of just that like full feeling before mile like 15. So I just like completely went away from it. And then I did the same thing at Hurricane 100K. And that was a race where I, I literally didn't eat like anything after mile 15, 20. I ate a couple of pickles and that was about it. That's tough. So, yeah, and also both those races were two humid, hot races. So I was wondering, is it the humidity part or is it the actual, like, what I'm trying? And it might be a little combination of both because nothing happens in a vacuum. But, um, yeah, I've noticed that I do pretty well with real food, meaning, like, my classic mashed potatoes. I don't know why. It just sits well. And usually mashed potatoes has it between 30 to 50, depending on how much you eat, like in a cup, um, grams of carbohydrates. And usually they have salt in them. So you're getting that electrolyte, you know. Yeah, exactly. So, Perfect combo. Yeah. But I did find it really interesting that you talked about scratch hydration. Uh, that's something that's not really in this part of the East Coast, I would say. Usually people go with like Tailwind or Science and Sport. But yeah, talk a little bit about that, just because I know it's like in Colorado, um, I think, pretty sure. Yeah, I, um, I think you're right. I think they're headquartered in Boulder, maybe. Um, smaller company. They actually sponsored the Run Wild 20 year one. So just super cool folks. Really, really neat. Um, but I actually stumbled upon them originally at the Leadville Run Camp in June of like, maybe it was camp in 21. And um, there was a couple guys at camp that were sponsored by them. And uh, that's how I first came about it. And then um, when Dr. Clinthorne was like, man, you need to try scratch. Um, I was like, yeah, let's rock and roll. So the reason for that is the milligrams of sodium per liter match the human sweat rate. So unlike, you know, element or um, just like a bunch of the other electrolyte 
powders that are like a thousand milligrams of sodium per serving, you know, it's just way, you're just kind of bombing the gut with sodium. Uh, this is a very natural uh, level of sodium intake. Um, so then when you mix it with the proper, you know, amount of liquid, uh, you're hydrating at a sufficient rate that, that matches, you know, for me, my, my sweat rate. So again, nutrition is different for everybody. Um, but the scratch product has, has really worked for me. The flavor is not too overpowering. I really like the fruit punch flavor just sits well. Uh, you can drink it even when it's kind of warm, you know, after your bottles heat up a little bit and they're not yeah. nice and chilly like you would hope they would be. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, that's what we're going to be rocking this weekend. So fingers crossed. There we go. Now you may not know this off the top of your head, but how many, like how many grams of carbohydrates does it have like in a handheld? Um, so for scratch, it's really focused on hydration. It's yeah. not so much on caloric intake. So it's only about 80 calories, uh, per serving. So within that hour, you're banking another 160. If you're drinking the, you know, I carry Salmon soft flasks are 17 ounces a piece. And my target's just to hammer both of those within the hour. Um, so you're, you know, you're tagging on another 160 calories, uh, on top of what you're already taking in with your gel. So you can, you can pack in the calories, uh, which you also want to be aware of as well. Yeah. And that's something I always try to do. Cause like the science and sport, uh, electrolyte drink that I drink, it has like 40 grams of carbohydrates in it, like per you know, handheld. And that's something I kind of depend on just because it's hard to take in that many gels while you're running. So you're trying to you know, replenish, through a, an easy means like drinking. But I think like at Bandera, I didn't like, I, I'm really bad about not actually just measuring it. I just throw as much as I can in and then shake it up because I'm an idiot. And uh, I may have overpowered it because <laughs> I was so sick of that taste and just, I felt like gross and full and I don't know. So the meaning of this whole podcast is don't do what Caleb does. You know, actually follow the directions because they're there for a reason. <laughs> what I'll tell you this, Caleb. One thing Dr. Quinthor told me, he said, when water starts to taste bad, which happens to me at a certain point, I get sick of the 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 flavor of water. He said, that's because your electrolytes are imbalanced. You need electrolyte. When your electrolyte drink starts to taste bad and acidic, you need to switch mm -hmm. back to water. So that's a good kind of just indicator on, okay, let me kind of self-diagnose here. Water's not tasting good pump a couple electrolytes in, electrolytes aren't tasting good, switch back to just some plain water and kind of balance things out. Dude, the human body is amazing. It's just, it's it telling really you is. exactly what you need to know. It's just, you got to be able to read it. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. exactly right. All right. Well, that's great, man. That's actually really good. And hope, hopefully a lot of people listen to this because they're going to learn a lot. I know I did. Um, man, we need to, we need to talk about this more often runs. Yeah, for sure, man. Uh, I've been through the ringer, so I'm I'm pretty dialed on what's out there, what might work, what probably won't work. So, see, you know, maybe you experience all all of the issues so that you could teach others. Hey, I'll take it if that's what it <laughs> takes. I'm I'm here for it. It kind of reminds me of uh, the second time I ran Rim to River. I I chose uh, J.R. Loyster as my first pacer, and uh, he's a really good runner out of Charleston. And he had run the race before the year before, and he had gotten lost. So we start running, and he's like, "Caleb, I'm a little 
curious, why did you like ask me to be your pacer? Because I literally got lost on this section. I was like, JR, you're not gonna get lost twice. Like you got lost <laughs> last year. So you already you know where to go now. Like and yeah, let them learn, right? sure. So all right, well, you know, we're talking about the gorge. You got falling waters hundred K this weekend. What's what's the mindset going into it? Man, my you know, I've always been careful of not getting too high and trying not to get too low, but you know, right now the mindset's really good, which is easy to say as I sit here on my porch drinking beer, uh, talking to you. But um, I feel really fit right now. I feel very healthy. I feel very confident in everything we just talked about in terms of nutrition. Um, I feel really good about that trail system. You know, we know it. It's it, it's home, basically. Um, there's nothing, you know, we're not at altitude. We're not, it's not going to be crazy hot. Temperatures look good. So, man. Oh, you know, the mindset's in the right place right now. I feel, I feel good. And, uh, I hope I just get the opportunity to put my fitness to the test. Awesome. And you've, I'm sure you studied the course, you know, what are the major things to look for in that course? Cause obviously it's a four loop, 15 mile loop course. So are there any, uh, big climbs, big descents, uh, technical sections, water crossings? Like, is there, what, what's, what's it looking like? Yeah, so at least from what I think I understand and just looking at the course profile, the first 10 miles are kind of like a rolling net downhill. Um, you know, you're aware of the the steep drop down into Arbuckle Creek. Uh, that's like mile eight of this loop. Uh, and then you have like maybe after Arbuckle Creek, a mile of just real runnable flat single track. And then it looks like there's this super punchy hands and knees scramble climb about mile 11 or 12, um, maybe 700 feet of elevation gain. So nothing crazy, but comes in like half a mile or something like that. So I think it's just a real steep scramble, just try and survive it type thing. And then um, after that, it, it there's a couple other punchy climbs, you know, a couple two, 300 footers, and then uh, just kind of rolling back into the start, I think. So it, it's, it looks super runnable uh, on the, uh, on paper. So we'll, uh, we'll try and keep that in, in check and not get, you know, not got too hot and not get carried away too early. Yeah, there we go. So yeah, I've seen the video of the uh, punchy uh, scramble. <laughs> it, looks, it looks fun. Like it's gonna be one of those where it's gonna be really hard to run up. I think. But, yeah, I don't think it's a runner at all. I think it's definitely. Uh, it might be a blessing in disguise. You know, slow the heart rate down, uh, switch the muscle group up, and 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 just hike it. You know, I did a quest for the uh, what was it? Quest for the crest, fifty k at Black Mountain uh, last year, and there were just sections of that race where you just felt like there's no way this is the trail. There's no way this is part of this race. And then you see a marker and you're just like, damn it, man, here we go. So I'm kind of having a little PTSD flashback on, on that, but um, hopefully it won't be too bad. Yeah. Well, yeah. And that, I feel like that race, like the whole thing's a punchy climb because like you're, you're in the uh, Pisgah national forest going up, like basically uh what is it the tallest mountain in the East Coast? Like, and it's just yeah, straight yeah. up the whole time. 
Yeah, it's like 13,000 feet of gain in a 50K. It's something Jeez. stupid. It, it was honestly miserable. I, I don't plan to go back. Yeah. Oh, but. That's literally more than Gorge Waterfalls 100K within a 50K. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. No fun. No, no fun. Cool. So I guess the last thing uh, before we kind of transition is, you know, training update. You know, you have your JFK race in November. What's training been like since then? Yeah, so JFK in November. And then, in, you know, the past couple of years, I've always had kind of a goal A race and early part of the season just to kind of motivate me through the winter, you know, whether it be Bandera or Black Canyon. Uh, this year, my original plan was to run Canyons 100K, which is also this weekend. And I, for a multitude of reasons, just decided to defer that entry and, and run Falling Water instead. Um, the training was a little different. Volume was much, much lower, uh, much lower. Um, did some skiing, went out west, did a bunch of skiing. Um, just I live on a farm, so working around the farm, just doing manual labor and stuff like that. And then really over the past two months, started, you know, bumping volume back up. And I did, I had a, a week where I got super sick and just couldn't do anything. So that was a little bit of a bummer, but you know, the past three weeks have been pretty solid uh, for me. So I, I feel like it's all kind of worked out. I feel like fitness has peaked as much as it can at the right time for this this part of the year. So I feel good, man. Training training's been good. There you go. Now, have you had any like key sessions, like any key long runs or workouts or anything? Um, so the past three weeks, uh, my I, I've done some back to backs. Um, you know, three weeks ago, I did a 15-15, a pretty good effort. Week after that, I did a 13-22 back-to-back. Uh, last weekend, you know, one of them with you, um, did an 18-18 back-to-back. And then I've I've introduced some doubles in there. So, um, I'm you know, on Tuesdays, I've been throwing in some doubles uh, just to increase volume a little bit and uh, take advantage of running on tired legs. So uh, I feel like the volume is it is high enough. Um, you know, been in the seventy mile range. So for me, that's that's where I like to be. You know, I'm not a hundred mile week guy. Um, just not durable enough. Uh, I've got three kids. It's just it's hard to to make that happen. So you know, anything above seventy, I I take as a win. Yeah, definitely. We could probably have a whole podcast on like how to run seventy miles a week with kids. <laughs> yeah it's tough man you don't see much daylight that's for sure no definitely not and getting on the trail yeah i remember so we, we scheduled our run and you were running right at like seven o'clock but then uh you started at like 6 40 6 30 because you wanted to get out before the kids started waking up totally yeah, that, that group text killed me man everybody's like yeah let's run let's run and it was just like yeah how about 9 a.m and i was like man i'm gonna be done by then i gotta yeah. get home for breakfast but <laughs> No, all good. We make it work. We make it work. Yep. All right. Awesome. So this is a good point to like transition. So not only are you an ultra runner uh, by heart and by nature, but you also have you know really lived the lifestyle and have uh, created a company that supports ultra running, trail running in our community and all across America as well called Roman Run. 
Um, and, and within that, you become a race director for a few races as well. So, uh, yeah, like what was the inspiration for Roman Run? Yeah, so Roman Run uh, is the brainchild of uh, four guys. So it's it obviously one myself, uh, Trey Beckett, who uh, ran for Marsh University, um, runner his whole life, incredible artist, designer, um, just really talented guy, very vision. He's, he's a visionary pretty much. Um, Robert Smith, who is, who also, uh, ran, uh, has run his whole life. Great ultra runner, um, owner of, uh, Robert's running. Um, so just very entwined in the community as well. Very, uh, entrenched in the running culture. Uh, and then Phil Provenzano who ran at Marshall run his whole life ultra runner as well. And, um, it, it, it all kind of started as, you know, a way for runners to, we wanted a way for runners to be able to represent, you know, who they are and what they do off the trail. Right. So Roman run is essentially a post run apparel company targeted towards trail. Um, and I say targeted towards trail just because that's what we do. That's, you know, where we we feel at home the most, not saying road runners aren't welcomed as well and that we don't, we don't love them. Uh, we absolutely do. And to us, a runner is a runner. Um, we, you know, we just felt like outside of your technical race tee, there was really no great option available to, you know, pair with a pair of jeans and go out and have a couple beers and, you know, represent who you are and what you do. You know, I mean, surfing has Billabong and Hurley and, and all these brands and, you know, golf has brands and, uh, you know, Road running has Nike and the big the big brands, you know, and and that's all well and good, but kind of seemed like there was just this niche opportunity in the trail scene to to bring something to to the community, and that's that's kind of how it all started. Awesome. And so, what's the uh, division between the co-owners? So you have Robert, you have you, you have Phil, and Trey. You know, I, I know Trey is so artistic. You know, I, I lived with Trey for a few years in, in the 1136 house on 10th Avenue, and the guy's amazing. But, uh, I mean, what else does he do, and what's the breakup of, like, what the responsibilities are for the company? Yeah, so I'm I'm kind of the back-end guy. Um, I run all the numbers, all the books, keep us legal, make sure we don't end up in, you know, federal prison for tax evasion. Um <laughs> Trey, you know, like I said, we we try and keep him strictly on the design aspect. That's what he's good at. That's what he loves. You know, the entire site is designed and ran by him. Uh, Phil handles pretty much all the operations and logistics of shipping out orders. I mean, he still hand writes thank you letters in every package that goes out. And that started as a nice touch. But, but you know, the commitment to that now is a whole lot greater than it was. But you know, it's something that, you know, he still takes pride in, um, you know, and Robert is is really the visionary in terms of, you know, what's happening in the market. What are people looking for? What makes a quality piece of apparel? Um, you know, and he's also a, a face of it, you know, being able to, you know, help get us in other run specialty stores, being in his stores. Um, there, there's just a lot of aspects that the four of us uh, can bring together. We all, we all have our strengths. We know our weaknesses. 
and we just it, it's a team effort for sure that's awesome and uh I always thought it was you that wrote those handwritten letters. So now I have to go thank Phil because that was, I always yeah. thought it was Ryan. And I, I well, always... it, it, it's funny because originally it was me. Um, I took that responsibility from launch until like 2018. And then, um, you know, I had a kid and I just, it, it got overwhelming. I couldn't do it. So then Robert took it on for a while and uh, it got overwhelming for him. And then Phil, you know, he didn't have kids at the time. So it was like, <laughs> okay, Phil, it's your turn, buddy. You, you've got this honor. And, uh, you know, he just had a baby. So I don't know. We might be looking to, uh, to bring on some hires here shortly. Yeah. Maybe make uh, Dan or Alex write the letters. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> no, it's, just, it's definitely a special touch. It just means more when there's a handwritten letter. And you know it's specifically for you. Like, I don't know. There's something about yeah. it. Cool. We appreciate it. So going along with that, like what's the overall mission? I mean, you said it before that you want to have an apparel company for like a post run, you know, apparel shirt to, to wear going out and stuff. Is there like a deeper mission for like the community of like Huntington, West Virginia, Appalachia? Yeah, a hundred percent. You know, our mission, you know, from sitting in the coffee shop day one, kind of game planning on this thing was, it's always been about trying to connect like-minded folks together, you know, really from across the country, not only in Appalachia, obviously it's our home, it's our backyard. We're very proud of it. We want to represent it well. We want people to become aware of it and how great it truly is. But then, you know, really to help other people find their tribe and celebrate this incredible community of trail running. And um, I feel like, like we've really been able to do that. And, we, you know, we're starting to take steps now to be able to offer back a little bit more and take this whole thing to the next step, not only in terms of apparel, but in, you know, what we're able to do for the community and the upcoming, you know, guys in our community that deserve to be put on a bigger stage. And, uh, you know, we can talk about that if you want, but just really excited to, you know, be able to put the money back into, back into the community. Yeah, sure. Yeah, run, run away with it if that's what you want to talk. Yeah, because I mean, yeah. you guys do so much. Like, you know, my original thoughts were more about the race directing and giving everybody opportunity to get out in the trails. But that's a very good aspect of the company as well, offering opportunities for young elite athletes coming out of college. You know, we're we're to a, po- a point now, thanks to everybody who who buys Roman Run, to where we can focus on giving back. You know it's not about money as cliche as that sounds, but it's truly not. It's more of a passion project. Um, so last year uh, we launched the Roman run elite team and this was something we'd wanted to do for a long time, but uh, we finally were able to make it happen. So last year we signed Dan green and Alex minor uh, two young local studs that, you know, we felt, deserve the opportunity to be on the big stage running against the best runners in the world. And really our only goal for that was to, you know, help reduce any burden that they might have or that they might face, you know, trying to go run these races, you know, running is, is a cheap endeavor in general, but you start talking about ultras and racing these races. I mean, it can get, out of hand. I mean, you can pay thousands of dollars to go run these big races with travel, you know, nutrition, um, just 
the amount of training you're doing, uh, it, it's just, it, it's very costly. Um, so we wanted to be able to step in where we could uh, to a comfortable degree and, and allow them to go, go out West and run these incredible races that exist out there. And that's fortunately, unfortunately, that's what it takes right now. I think if you want to be signed, you know, we realize we're probably not going to be these guys sponsor forever, but if we can be a small stepping stone and helping them follow their dreams, to me, that's, that's all I could ever hope for. Um, you know, you know, as well as anybody, you can have incredible performances here on the East coast. And for some reason, it just doesn't carry the weight that the West coast races do. And I don't agree with that. I don't think it's, fair i mean i get it that's where 99 percent of them exist and live and but that's that's just not reality so we're we're pretty excited about this aspect of it and and we're looking to grow that team you know very soon uh and continue to build upon that and giving folks uh you know that deserve the opportunity the opportunity so more to come on that and then you know locally we try and support and sponsor others outside of ourselves that are doing great things for the running community. You know, we've been a sponsor of the Rim to River Endurance Company since really their launch. Um, you know, and those races are the Rim to River 100, Falling Water 100K, um, Kevin Fever 50K. You know, Brian's done an incredible job putting West Virginia on the map in terms of a running destination. You know, he does have obviously a gym right out his back door, but I mean, it's, uh, you know, he's doing a great job at, at, at working with that and bringing people in. And we're excited to just be a small part of that. And then we also now have two races under our umbrella as well. So, you know, we put on the Run Wild 20 miler, uh, which we launched in 21. And then we just took over the Ridge to River 4 and 10 miler. And for those who aren't aware, you know, that's a race that was in danger of continuing to exist. And it's a race that for many specifically in our area was a you know an intro into trail running that was my first trail race i owe that race just about everything so uh it's just such a staple for our community and um when we had heard the news you know we knew we had to step in and and do what we could to, to take that over and assure its existence for the foreseeable future and, and continue to give people who can't travel who aren't ready to travel who don't have the funds to you know, go run these monster races and, you know, still have equal opportunity to go out and push themselves. So, you know, I want to give people in our area as much opportunity as possible. And, uh, you know, if they can experience just a sliver of the lifestyle that I've come to love, then I've done my part. Yeah, 100%. And both of those two points that you just made, you know, about the elite runners and then you know, about the local runners who are just getting into it. You know, running the run wild or the you know, rich uh, river you know it takes it takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of effort on your end to be able to provide those things and these are things that a lot of people overlook you know a lot of people sign up for a race they don't think about what the race director has to go through to put that race on and nobody you know and also on the other side of it for the elite runners no one thinks about the sponsor like what they have to do to be able to provide you know, like a plane ticket or a kit or, you know, an Airbnb 
so that this you know young athlete can have an opportunity to race against the best. Uh, I just think that's really incredible, you know, and that's something that we really need on our end, like for both, you know, professional or semi-professional runners and people just getting into the sport, you know, opportunities are hard to come by and sometimes they can make all the difference. So I, I definitely appreciate that, especially for this, this area, because a lot of opportunities haven't been given to people in West Virginia. It's not a state. Yeah, it's a frustrating thing. It's uh, I think we all carry a small chip on our shoulder and I think that's part of what makes ultras a, a perfect fit for our personalities and, and our demeanors. We just have to introduce as many people to this world as possible. Oh, for sure. For sure. And like, yeah, it's West Virginia is a state that's known for a lot of negative things, but we have such beautiful areas to run. We have such beautiful people, you know, people full of passion and, vigor and they just want to just get, go run race compete and you know push themselves to do something they didn't think was possible so you know this opportunity whether it be running your first four mile race on the trails 10 mile race 20 mile race or going out the gorge waterfalls and being able to be followed by dylan bowman yelling the west virginia boys you know like that's it's it's incredible and it's def it definitely means a lot to the people of this area. Um, I mean, we could we could have a whole podcast on just the uh, East Coast <laughs> versus you know Colorado and everybody else if we wanted to. But yeah, and I hate to think of it that way because they're wonderful people. You know, they're part oh, of yeah. this community as well. You know, and it's nothing. It's nothing against those folks. You know, I they're, you know, for Run Wild. You know, first year we had people come from Utah and Oregon and Wyoming to run here in West Virginia. And they had nothing but positive things to say. Um, so I want to be sure that I clarify when I say, you know, I don't think we get the opportunities. It's the brands not giving the opportunities. It's not the, it's not the trail community. I don't want it to be a East coast, West coast thing. Um, so I just wanted to, to clarify yeah. that. Well, it's also Western states not having a golden ticket race within uh, driving distance of the East Coast. They're part of the problem, too, and slash UTMB. Except for now, yeah. they have grindstone. So I guess we're, we're getting something. We're getting something, but they, you know, major yeah. changes to what was an iconic course. So we'll see how that plays out. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, in the, in the meantime, we're going to hype up all the local races that we have. You know, Hurricane 100K. Run Wild 20, Highland Skies 40, you know, Rim to River, because these are really good races, like well put on by the race directors, very competitive from what I, I mean, you look at any race in the East Coast and you're like, dang, there's, there's some pretty good runners here. So, and then part of that's because of you guys too. The race directors, like I remember the first Run Wild 20 miler, I was like in awe of the, just the amount of competition for this little small debut 20 miler that came about in Barbersville Park. Uh, yeah, how'd you get that going, by the way? Like, how'd you get that many people to come? <laughs> Man, I think I think definitely having the platform of Roman Run that we've built over the years and the community that we've been lucky to become a part of, just our reach is a little bit larger than, you know, some of the other local races. So we're able to pull some folks, you know, outside of just the local area. So, you know, it's definitely not that our races are any better, uh, you know, than 
you know, some other local races, we just had a little bit bigger bucket to pull from and uh, community to reach out to. So uh, it just was a bunch of different things, but you know, you're, you're spot on in terms of the, the quality of the competition. I mean, year one, you know, we had yourself, Dan, Alex, I mean, you guys are all, you know, podium contenders at any race in the country. So, I mean, for year one to have that kind of firepower on the start line is very, very cool. Um, so yeah, a lot of cool stuff. Yeah, definitely. And then like you've incorporated the Antelope Children Club, who has you know constantly been a you know big force in the uh twenty miler. Obviously, what's his name? Ford. Uh, yeah, Ford McElroy. Yeah, yeah, he's you know he crushed it this year. And I mean, they have a huge group of guys who are just rolling. And it's it's yeah. Incredible. I mean, a bunch of a bunch of studs, man. You know, I, they're they're the Kentucky equivalent of what we have here in Huntington, and uh, they came and showed out that day for sure. So that was a lot of fun. It hurt my heart. Because, like, we had just <laughs> run the Hurricane 100K. So I was like, it's not a good idea to hop in a 20-miler with a 100-miler in two weeks. But, yeah, man, no it hurts watching, you know, the Kentucky boys whoop up on us. I mean, Dan they, did well. He ran really well. But he was also training for, like, a 100-mile race. So it's a little different than somebody who's specializing in a 20. But, for sure, yeah. For sure. Yeah. So, but there is a sense, like, for at least me, um, maybe not Dan and Alex as much, but I like to defend the home turf if possible. So, like, any West Virginia race I run, like, there's no doubt, like, I'm going to try to kill myself to win. Not that I don't do that everywhere else, like, you try to, but it just means a little bit more. And, yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you think that as well, but. Oh, I'm with you, man. And, you know, I'm not anywhere near your ability so i'm I'm glad to have you in my corner doing it for us <laughs> oh stop it <laughs> yeah well whenever you get that uh yeah win this year at the falling waters 100k and get the automatic golden ticket to river river <laughs> then we'll be talking <laughs> we'll see what happens we'll see but it's just really cool it's like my mission in you know all the stuff that i do i i'm, I'm the Cross country, head cross country coach at Marshall University, which is the local Division One university in Huntington, West Virginia. I grew up in Hurricane, technically in Culloden, which is between Milton and Hurricane. There's just a sense of like pride in where I'm from, and a lot of West Virginians have that. Usually, to the county that they live in, you know, like I'm from Lincoln County. You don't say what town you're from; you just say I'm from Lincoln County or Putnam County or wherever, and. The reason I say that is just like my mission is to make this place as, as an awesome running destination as possible on the track side, cross country side, road racing, trail racing, obviously, and, and ultras as well. And it's, it's really nice to see that other people have the same mission. You know, Roman Run, you guys um, individually, guys like Brandon Perry, guys like uh, Bob Luther, uh, Matt Young putting on these races. Uh, it's just it's incredible to see that there's so many people in our community, which is not a very big community. You know, West Virginia is not a populous state, but we have so many great people who are trying to make things better. It, it's incredible to see. And, you know, not that I do a whole lot for that. I just try to you know, recruit as many good kids as possible. Hopefully they graduate and do good things and hopefully stay around and you know build this community as well. But yeah, or, or hopefully they inspire somebody younger in the area. Like I was telling Abby Herring, uh, one of my 
better runners on the women's side. People look up to you guys, like the the college athletes. They they see you run four twenty seven the fifteen hundred or you know breaking seventeen in the five k and like they never thought that was possible, but you know a girl from Parkersburg did it. So all of a sudden it does become possible. And you know women like Holly Ann, you know she's thirty six weeks pregnant today. Um, she's done some amazing things, and people see that, and all of a sudden they're like, you know what? Yeah, I don't know if I can do that, but I can at least push myself a little bit harder. No, but you're, you're spot on, man. And you have a a tremendous tool in your box and just the access you have to young folks coming into this area. Um, you know, you almost get to hand select them yourself. You know, I think before this started, you were writing up a, a scholarship offer. You know, so you're, <laughs> yeah. you're literally writing the dream of somebody. And you're allowing them to continue their dream of running and and going to you know college and graduating and you know hopefully we get lucky like we did with a Dan and an Alex and they decide to stick around you know I mean they're great runners in part of because of what you know you helped them do at that next level and then thankfully they just happen to stick around and not shoot off the boulder or Flagstaff you know I mean they they decided to stick here and. And and there's no reason they shouldn't, and there's no reason more shouldn't as as we as you you know continue to develop these young athletes. Yeah, well, and like one of my goals for the college athletes too. It, it doesn't happen every single time, but I mean, one of my goals is to to be a positive light in the sense that I want them to keep running after they graduate college. And that's tough for some people, you know, they go into med school or whatever, and things obviously change, but it makes me so happy seeing like guys like Will Schaefer, who graduated in 20, I think he graduated in 2017 or 18. He's running the Boston Marathon, running 234, just because he loves it. You know, he's an engineer, he's super busy, but he's out there grinding at 530 p.m. And, you know, guys like Dan and Alex, obviously, are new people like that. Holly Ann's like that. Um, it just makes me so happy to see people running after they're graduated, after the eligibility is done. There's no reason for them to keep running. They just love it because it's what they do. And that's right. You know, hopefully that's there's more guys like that and girls like that. There will be for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, anything else that you want to talk about with Roman run? One thing I will say is the website for the run wild 20 miler is probably better than the Western States website. Everything you can find is on there. Elevation profile, uh, the aid stations, where to book a hotel if you want to. I mean, everything's there, and it's it's super like impressive for a you know smaller twenty mile race in in Huntington or Barbersville, West Virginia. Yeah, you're. <laughs> it's funny, you know, when we were creating this thing, you know, I've been fortunate enough to run as we talked about some just incredible races, as have you. And you know the the level of commitment and communication that they have with their runners. You know, they make sure you are completely comfortable when you get to that start line. The last thing they want you doing is stressing about where you're going to stay, where you're going to eat, what time's the race start, where is the race, how do you get back to the start, you know. So I just wanted to bring that, even though it is only 20 miles, even though you know, Ridge to River is only four miles and 10 miles. I want to bring a professionalism to 
to all of those that just give a wonderful customer experience, a wonderful runner experience um, to where they, they don't have any sort of bad interaction with the experience um, to where they might not come back or might not run again or might not sign up for another race because communication was bad. You know, I've, I've also run races on the other end of that spectrum where I would never go back. I don't want to support that race director because you can tell it's a money grab or just zero communication, zero heart and effort put into it, zero course marking, zero course maintenance. You know, I just, I don't want that for, for our community, for our racers. Um, I just have way too much pride to to let that happen. Yeah, for sure. And if you so far you've done a great job with that. Um, I mean, everybody that I saw at the finish line this year at Run Wild, they were ecstatic. I don't think anybody got lost either this year. I mean, the first it, year there was a couple of people, but you're going to have a couple of people regardless. You know, people are going to miss a flag, but it was very well marked. And I was impressed because I hate Barbersville Park with a passion uh, for anything more than 10 miles. I yeah. like it because you can always dip out if you want to and always be two miles from your car. But like, I just never thought that there was that many trails. So you made a way to make 20 miles of trails without actually doubling back on anything except for maybe the river trail for a little bit. That's amazing. Uh, and it kind of opened my eyes on that like different side of the park that I never really go to. So kudos to you. And finding every hill on the course, too. That was <laughs> genius. <laughs> yeah, man. It's uh, You look at the, the course map, and it's a little daunting. Uh, but once you get out there, um, I like to think it flows pretty well. I like to think it. you don't feel like you're, you know, just – switch backing in certain areas. Um, so hopefully, hopefully others feel the same way. Yeah, I think so. I, I think everybody that I've heard has really enjoyed it. And I know I enjoyed it that first year that I ran as well, except for my toe, big toe did hit a big rock. And <laughs> I, remember, I remember that. Yeah. All right. Well, that's all I got for pretty much the Roman run side. I just have a few concluding questions and they're kind of like deep th- thinking ones so um free trail owner so free trail is a media company that has helped put on races such as like gorge waterfalls but they really primarily do like podcasts and uh, videos and stuff so their owner dylan bowman who he's a professional runner for Speedland and a few other sponsors but he is a coin to saying trail running will save the world so how has trail running positively impacted your family and your life? And you've kind of already mentioned that, but kind of go a little bit deeper. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to sound like a broken record, um, you know, but it's, it's changed my life in every way possible. Um, and like I said, it's, it's not a hobby. It, it truly has become a lifestyle. Um, it, it affects the way I've, I feel the way I think, the way I sleep, the way I eat. Um, you know, it's allowed me and my wife to, you know, to travel all over the place and to show, you know, my my boys some of the most incredible places, you know, in this world. And it's allowed me to expose my kids to the ultra community. Um, you know, to me, it's a community that consists of, you know, undoubtedly the most genuine honest, hardworking, full-hearted, just welcoming people that exist on this planet. And, you know, in, in ultras, you can't fake your way 
through it. You know, you get exposed pretty quick. You've got to be honest. Uh, you got to put the work in. You got to be hardworking and dedicated. And for me, it's just allowed me to embed all of those things into my being and and now also into my boys as well. And, you know, just the other day, it was probably one of my greatest days. You know, I've got a one-mile trail loop around the property here. Um, and, and my son just out of nowhere was like, dad, when I get home, promise me we'll go for a run. And I was just like, dude, we'll do it right now. Let's go. Um, so that, that was pretty cool. I actually posted it to my Instagram, you know, he only made about half a mile, but he was just fully embedded, fully engulfed in it, just out there, just grinding and just ripping trail, man. And it was, it was so fun. So when Dylan says trail running will save the world. I don't see how it can't, to be honest. Perfect. And I wouldn't start crying if if, if I had a boy to tell me that, <laughs> or a girl for that matter. I, it wouldn't matter. I would just start crying. It wouldn't matter. <laughs> yeah, it, it wouldn't matter, man. That's awesome. All right, last question. If you could have anyone run the final 400 meters of either like Leadville 100 or the Western States 100, through the finish line with you, who would you choose? And this could be like a family member. It could be your sons, your wife, whoever, or it could be somebody like a celebrity or somebody in history or a professional runner. So go, go, go for it. Man, I don't even have to think twice about this one. Uh, without question, uh, my wife and my boys, for sure. You know, Rachel, she's so supportive of everything I do. Uh, she puts up with so much in terms of just, the training and the hours away and you know she never complains about it or makes me feel guilty about it and I'm just so thankful for that and she's been a part of this Leadville journey for a very long time since 2019 once I you know as soon as I accidentally got in the lottery and this became a a thing it's become her journey as well so you know for me I just I can't wait for Sunday, you know, August 20th before 10 a.m. to be running back towards Sixth and Harrison and, and cross that finish line with her, man. Uh, that's going to be a special moment. Yeah, it is. It's going to be awesome. Now, I can't wait to see it, too. Hopefully they live stream it so we can all watch. That you would know. be cool, man. That would be cool. I always think about West. I don't know why Western States is like the one I want to do. Um, and I've always wanted to run with my dad on the uh, – whatever last 300 meters or whatever just i don't know there's something special about that last moment of a race where there is man all the emotions are flowing and you know it's just there's something special about it yeah i think once the stress releases you know that you're you're going to accomplish something that you you know for you you know 15 hours before you weren't sure was going to (laughs) happen um you know so it's it's very magical and um I just hope, as I'm sure you do, that many people get to experience that feeling at some point. Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. That's what, I mean, that's what the golden hour is all about too. Like in every race that they have, like those last few finishers that are just pouring their soul into finishing and they finally get their pacer or their family members to go run with them. It's incredible. You know, watching rivers golden hour was so much fun. It's so cool. Yeah. Most powerful. Definitely. Definitely. Well, I hope everybody enjoyed this interview. Um, Ryan Ranch is the man. 
go to Roman Run. Uh, also follow him and Roman Run on Instagram. Uh, you know, try to buy as much stuff as you can because they're doing some great work here. And definitely sign up for either Ridge to River, four mile, ten miler, in Barbersville Park. What uh, what day is it? June. June tenth this year, Saturday, June tenth, eight a.m. start for both. There you go. And then in September, you know, so you start off with the four ten miler. In September, you can go up to the 20-miler, and that should be able to propel you into the ultra-running uh, experience that we all love and enjoy. Um, and that is September... Saturday, September 30th this year. 30th, okay. Nice. So you have a huge training block from Ridge to River 4-miler, 10-miler, to finish it off with the uh, Barbersville Park Run Wild 20. So hope to see you guys there. Awesome. Thanks, Caleb. I appreciate it, man. A lot of fun. Yeah. Thank you, man.